you know, Hemingway stilled the demons with booze, and I still it with the Gut Check Podcast. And now, brought to you by Olive Tree Bible Software. Read, study, anywhere. www.olivetree.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck. He is Zach Bartles, and this is the greatest show on the internet. And uh, Zachary, we we had the um, elation, I think, of the last couple episodes taped uh, live at your house um, in your studio, and there there was uh, just the the lift, I think, that that provided. Also, the lift that the six energy drinks that we drank provided for sure. Uh, well, KK actually just listened to today's, or she listened to the last episode, and she texted me, and she said. You guys are so loud and you're talking so fast. So <laughs> I think that's a side effect of all the. Also, it was so long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like that four too. hours long. That too. It was a. It was a long app. Considered a double app. You know. Benefits mm. of taping live. Benefits. <laughs> <laughs> that's Hans Gruber, of course, and uh, Zach. We have another guest in in the studio today. Uh, another celebrity. Actually, he's not a celebrity. He's just a See, alter uh, ego. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he's just kind of an office worker for the Nakatomi Corporation, as far <laughs> as I can tell. Um, I haven't looked at the flowcharts or the corporate directory too closely, but we have uh, we have Cl- uh, Bill Clay in the studio. Uh, Bill, as you'll recall, was the uh, the guy who ran into uh, John McClane um, as McClane was was wandering through the building on his way up to the roof. Uh, and if you were paying attention, he's actually Hans Gruber. Yeah, spoiler alert. I mean, I don't want to give any, <laughs> anything. And oddly, we have two Bill Clays in the studio today. We, we do. We have two Bill Clays. I don't want to give anything away from the <laughs> film that came out in 1985 in case, or in case people haven't seen it. If but, you haven't uh, seen Die Hard, you deserve to have it ruined for you. That's all I'm going to say. That's true. And if you haven't seen Die Hard, we actually don't want you as a listener to this program. <laughs> Is that 80, I thought it was 87 or 88 that that came out. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was 87 or 88. Somebody will get on Twitter and be like, oh, you should be oh, on yeah. Wikipedia. And I take umbrage. And Snopes. <laughs> <laughs> take umbrage. With, oh, you're one of them. You're on oh, Wikipedia. You're... <laughs> so, so, Bill, uh, we are thrilled to have you in the studio. I know you haven't done a lot of radio since your your day job is you know, corporate uh, business and things with the Nakatomi Corporation. But uh, I trust that that's going well. And we, we've got Bill Clay uh, in studio to do a little promo of uh, a special uh, special sponsor, a special one-week uh, one week sponsor for the program, uh, a company called Westwood Roastery. Uh, they do amazing uh, custom coffee roasting and shipments. So uh, visit westwoodroastery.com. Uh, Zach, we received uh, – we both received packages in the mail from Westwood Roastery. And uh, you, I, I understand, you and Bill at, at your studio have uh, have consumed all the coffee already. And Yeah, that happened very quickly. Yeah, and we are well on our way as well. We loved it. Uh, so westwoodroastery.com, you choose your perfect plan uh, that tells how often and how much coffee to send. And then you get your coffee delivered fresh to your doorstep on the 1st or 15th of each month. Again, here at Gut Check, we don't sell out. We use all these products. 
we we loved Guru. We love Olive Tree. Uh, now we love Westwood Roastery. We almost love Missionalware. We almost love. We would like to love <laughs> Missionalware, to be honest. And Ted, you know, I wanted to point out something you and I noticed when you were up here. What's that, baby? That Guru is now everywhere, and we assumed that that was our doing. We do, and you know, far be it from us to take credit for Guru's uh, rocket ship. Not life. far from me, man. Uh, it's right. It's right. It's right. Right, uh, right in front of you for you to take credit <laughs> then uh, for Guru's ascension, Guru's meteoric rise to the top of the energy drink um, echelon. And, and Zach, speaking of energy drinks, should we should we make Bill wait a couple more minutes and should we review this brain tonic? Yeah, it's hot in my office. I turned off my AC so it wouldn't be running in the background, and I would not mind drinking a True Tonics Brain Tonic energy drink one bit. Yeah, yeah True Tonics. And again, um, tonic is with a Q. So, But in tonics, it's not QZ, so there's, there's that anyway. Yeah, that, that makes it uh, a step less 90s. Um, <laughs> so Brain Tonic, uh, this, this is, as Zach mentioned, put out by company True Tonics. Uh, as, a, as opposed to false tonics. Um, this is called Brain Tonic, and the subtitle is all, How You Feel is All That Matters. Which to me seems like everything that's wrong with society today. Dude, yes. In one Bottled. short phrase, <laughs> how you feel is all that matters. So, Zach, mine is the, the flavor tropical. Is yours as well? Yeah, I got tropical as well. So let's let's open these up. Let's open up our Brain Tonics, um, and let's get a nose and a sense for what we're smelling and tasting okay zach what can you describe the nose on your drink i was hoping for like basic like a red punch like fruit punch yeah not at all it smells you know what it smells like what something very specific when Mm. you go like out to the lake with your family on vacation and you go into like a little like tourist trap like tchotchkes like craft store Yes. And there's like scented candles and there's also like a, a jar of like different flavored peppermint sticks on the counter. And, and like a pink sweatshirt that says Charlevoix that costs like $85. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? it, this smells like that store. Dude, that's so interesting. See, I'm getting, oh. now that you mention it, boy, now that you mention it, I'm getting that too. But I, I'm getting also like salty meat. <laughs> <laughs> so in a, in a weird sense, you could say that... You, you you could say that neither of us are getting tropical. I think it's safe to say that, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, let's. Are you ready to Are you ready to take a swig, Zach? Dude, I'm feeling a little bit like woozy all of a sudden for some reason. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know. No. I had like a uh, I might pass out moment there. Okay, I, I don't know I if it was from to... smelling the true tonic or from laughing too hard or I don't know. Listen, I want you to stay with me, okay? <laughs> don't guy, you leave me. <laughs> yeah, don't you leave me. We're going to get through oh. this. Oh, you're one of them. You know what? If I do pass out, of course, Bill Clay is here to do, like, chest compressions. Yeah, oh, Bill- come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're passing out. <laughs> now, Zach, because you're feeling a little, a little, you know, under the weather, I want you to do something for me. Are what you ready? That? I'm ready, before you take a quick, uh, before you take a sip of brain tonic, I want you to look at the Rorschach blot on the front of the brain tonic can. <laughs> okay. And describe for me what it is that you see, because I feel like this is going to be instructive. I see a dancing turtle. Really? Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Do you see the head is like, uh, this, it's got black eyes and it's like pointed down and then yeah. it's kind of, it's like up on its hind legs. Yeah. Dancing. It's like, it's, like it's standing up. And yeah, you see like that too. Undercarriage. 
you know? Ah, <laughs> uh, you're one of those dancing turtles. <laughs> hey, could could you have Bill just quiet down in the studio? We're still doing <laughs> Bill. We're, hold off, man. We're still doing our energy drink bit. <laughs> now, before we get to the tasting, uh, I think we need to read the copy. There's not a lot of copy here, but it's something just to be faithful to the bit. This is something. There's, there's more things that matter apparently than what I feel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like the copy on the can. Um, it says this: What kind of company doesn't make claims or pro- <laughs> what kind of company doesn't make claims or promises about its products? Ah. So they're they're opening with a rhetorical question. <laughs> think on that for a while, then come back and read the rest of the copy. Think on that. Yeah, think about which kind of companies because I'm sure there are others. I don't know, Coca Cola, Toyota, you know, Nakatomi. It smells so bad, Ted. I don't want to drink it. Zach, it really smells bad. It smells like rancid, salty meat, actually. The, <laughs> it the, doesn't smell worse, though, than that that uh, freaking, uh, what was the, was the prune juice smelling oh, one? Judas, Yerba Mate goddess. Yerba Mate. That yeah. was awful. That was awful. Uh, give me so a brain tonic for crying out loud. Brain tonic from True Tonics, how you feel is all that matters. Yeah, there's that again. And there's that again, and that's all the coffee. And... Uh, Thanks for your morally bankrupt like mission statement, True Tonics. Yeah, exactly. Where's this bottled, and, and under what authority is it bottled? Uh, Portland, Oregon, I guarantee it. No, uh, very close, though. Boulder, Colorado, okay. same ethos. Yeah. I, gonna, I think that uh, what you feel is all that matters is actually like the city slogan from the uh, initial founding of Portland. Absolutely. Zach, are you ready to take a sip of No, rain? I'm not ready. Will you do it with me? I will take a sip of this dietary supplement. You know, one thing I like to do before I look at it is decide what you know what it's supposed to do for me. Yeah. And when I'm looking through this, buddy, you know what I'm not seeing? What's that, baby? Caffeine. Oh. I didn't have my normal monster at lunch because I was wow. going to have this. And there's yeah. carbonated water, organic evaporated cane sugar, oh, organic just... something else, blah, blah, blah. Juice for color, organic stevia extract, and now there's a, gum. there's a brain tonic proprietary blend here that I think you're missing. Oh, there's the energy blend somewhere. No, it doesn't say energy energy blend. It says just says brain tonic proprietary blend, and there's no caffeine. It's a bunch of like That's seeds and roots. Do you see that? <laughs> I do. Yeah. And look at this. It's got the 120 uh, percent the USDA recommended daily allowance of a pink sweatshirt that says Charlevoix on it. <laughs> yeah, and, and some salty rancid meat as well. <laughs> Zach, let's take a sip without. Further All right, man. Here we go. Tonic. Bottoms uh, slightly tilted. Mm. Oh, that's bad. That tastes. That I, I'm, dude. That's the first time that my initial like sense of the nose. Yeah perfectly matched the taste like yes. i feel like i'm drinking one of these these uh tourist shops if they if they took one of those tourist shops and put it in a blender and, and poured it on some rancid salty meat and poured it through some a uh, pour over right so it's hipster it's kind of pour over <laughs> of some rancid salty meat that the result would be brain tonic now <laughs> i'm not gonna drink the rest of this zach i'm not either and and you and i you and i purchased this because we are radio professionals doing a job my question to you is who would ever buy this of their own volition more than once more than once yeah i mean you get it one time just to try it but like who would ever buy it again it tastes awful yeah i don't know somebody who who everything's got to be uber uber uh like organic and, and yeah. although this doesn't have like the whole collection of different certifying bodies S- hipster symbols yeah yeah 
This one's not B with a circle on it, so... Dude, I always look for the B with the circle. Ba- made with organic Bacopa Manieroli. Dude, I can I can pronounce Hebrew words that have like nine syllables in them, but I can't tell you what this crap is. Baby, can Centella we... Centella Can we both just put this aside and move Asiatica. forward? Asiatica. Let's, a, let's move a... on to a drink that we do like, which is uh, coffee from Westwood Roastery. Um, these guys do an amazing job. They tailor the coffee to you, so... Uh, you visit westwoodroastery.com, take a quick, like, three-question survey, um, and then they'll send you uh, the right kind of coffee, uh, brewed fresh, uh, or roasted fresh, rather, so that you can then brew it fresh. And um, we have both been enjoying this. Now, Zach, I want you to bring uh, Bill Clay in and give Bill an opportunity to uh, to talk about this. Bill, how are you? Oh, oh you're one of them. You're one of them. Podcast host. Yeah, we we are. We are indeed one of them. Clay. Uh, Bill, Bill, you ought to Bill be a guest Clay. on a podcast with that accent. <laughs> Spent a week at a coffee ranch one summer. <laughs> the week at a coffee ranch, absolutely. Ready um, for the real thing, Bill. You're ready for the real thing, absolutely, absolutely. Now, Bill, I want you to talk about uh, your experience with Westwood Roastery. Oh, I loved how it came with uh, uh, it came with three different kinds of coffee, and one of them was Sumatra, which was my favorite of the three. And one, one of them was Colombia. Colombia. One of them was Ethiopian, which was also really good and dark and rich. And I, I loved <laughs> how you could you could tell that it had just been roasted and it tasted fresher than almost any other coffee I'd ever had. <laughs> Bill, thanks so much for that, man. That was, that was really good and really comprehensive. And, and folks, if you're, if you're not familiar with Bill Clay, um, you know that he's nervous because he feels like he's going to get shot by Hans Gruber. Yeah. Um, you mean by, by John, by McClain. John McClain rather. Yeah, of course. Cause he thinks he's uh, one of them. He thinks he's one of them. Exactly. So there's a, there's a lot going on, uh, for Bill and, uh, a lot going on with Westwood Roastery. So Ted, speaking of, of a lot going on, uh, with Bill Clay and Westwood Roastery, I understand that, that, uh, you have Bill Clay in, in the studio with you as well at Gut Check South. I do. Yeah. Bill, welcome, uh, welcome to Gut Check <laughs> South. Ah, oh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. <laughs> Zach is, <laughs> is, is, could, could you give me uh, some additional insights and and, and uh, review and, and kind of some comments on on the Westwood uh, Roastery Coffee? Oh, I like the hipster box. <laughs> the hipster box. <laughs> Bill, yeah, I, I get what you're talking about, and for me, like, I just, I, I'm glad Bill mentioned that, Zach. Like, I just felt cooler by getting it. You know what I mean? It, it, it's one of those purchases you make where you you get the box, you open it up, and you just feel like you know, exponentially cooler for having, uh, for having done it. So, uh, Bill, you're spot on. Um, can you tell us which, uh, which roast you started with? Uh, I started with a Columbia, <laughs> Columbia roast. <laughs> so folks, there you have it. Bill Clay from the Nakatomi corporation, big fan of Westwood roastery and the Columbia roast. And, uh, that will be, uh, delivered straight to his doorstep on the 35th floor of the Nakatomi building. Uh, can I make an observation, man? Yeah, sure, Zach. After you say that website again, because I'm sure we should do that. Yeah, www.westwoodroastery.com. That's westwoodroastery.com. It, it seemed to me that, that Bill Clay sounded an awful lot like uh, Jimmy Stewart. 
today. Yeah. And he ought to be on, uh, on, on freaking TV with that accent or maybe he, on movies with that he accent. He really ought to be on movies with that accent, Zach. I, you ought to be si- sipping a cup of uh, Westwood Roastery coffee with that accent. You ought to be driving your car into a tree my grandfather planted with that accent. <laughs> so what's that from? <laughs> it's from uh, uh, the, the, f- the famous Christmas movie, uh, the, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, Judas, that's right. It's a Wonderful Life. Right. You ought to be watching your brother live all your dreams with that accent. <laughs> you ought to be pasting Zuzu's pedals back on, but actually put them in your vest pocket with that accent. You ought to be sliding down a hill and uh, rupturing your eardrum with that accent. <laughs> you, ought to, you ought to be regretting how circumstances have forced you into a life you didn't necessarily foresee for yourself with that accent. <laughs> you ought to be ungrateful for your wife, who I thought you loved with that accent. <laughs> you ought to be breaking windows on an abandoned house like a jerk, only to have to replace those very same windows out of your own pocket when you buy said house with that accent. <laughs> You're gonna be yelling at your kids for playing Christmas carols on the piano with that accent. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, man. I can't top that. The number of things yeah, you ought to play ought to be doing with that accent, dude. I know this is this has been very it's been very instructive for Bill Clay. I'm sure there's there's a lot of things that you can go and now and now do with that accent. Yeah, McLean only had time to really just scratch the surface because of the <laughs> just the one thing he told him. Yeah. But but he was busy. He had he had other stuff to do, <laughs> like dive away from machine gun fire just seconds later. Now now, Ted, I wonder if it's if it's time for me to pop in with my with my uh, gut check with Ted. I think it is, since we're talking about uh, Die Hard, which is a core value of the company. And this is involves Die Hard. This invo- see- I'm sure it does involve Die Hard. And, and you know, are we going to keep Bill in the studio? Are we going to let Bill sit in on this the rest of this recording? Oh, I'm afraid that Bill actually, over up here, he actually fell to his death from the uh, top of the Nakatomi building just mm. a few moments ago. He will be missed. You were you had a hold of his arm, but then you released the watch, and, uh, and, yeah. and he, he plummeted. Because he was going to shoot me. He so. Was. Yeah, he was. And he's a complicated guy. He's a you very know? complicated guy. So you spend uh, a few days at a combat ranch, and all of a sudden you're you're stealing bearer bonds. Yeah, Bill actually uh, he he shot out all the glass in my studio. <laughs> which command he had to give to Carl first in his native language, to which Carl, who we can assume is not very bright. Gave him the same quizzical look that he gave him when he uh, talked about Asian dog. Asian dog. Shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. <laughs> and then, and then only when Bill Clay screamed it twice in Carl's second language did Carl understand to shoot. The glass. That's a normal thing, though. Usually, I, I often will have people. Uh, they'll, they'll be like, "Oh, give me a hand here," and I'll be like, "Huh?" And they'll be like, "Ayúdame," and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I had two years of high school Spanish, so I recognize that, that you would like my help." Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's common, especially in in. Uh, Kind of high stress situations that that dynamic. <laughs> People are always thinking in a different language. Then that's yeah. right. That's right. Well, Zach, you've got a new, uh, you've got a segment, a new old segment, as it were, kind of stolen from Stephen Otrogi, who stole it from us. That's right. Kind of a vintage segment. Uh, we call it Gut Check with Ted Cluck. Why don't you explain now uh, the setup here, Zach? All right. So, well, I thought of this particular kind of iteration of it because you and I were, as the people heard last week. Uh, our, our families, minus the kids, mm-hmm. uh, got together uh, for a, a viewing uh, on the big screen Ooh. of Point Break yes. last week to make fun of it. One of yes. our favorite activities being to watch a turd of a movie and, and mock it. Yeah. Uh, and that one really delivered. That one was every bit as bad as I'd remembered, if not worse. I think you kind of remembered it being the money, didn't you? And then you were kind of... No, I remembered it being bad, but like fun to watch. You know okay, what I mean? Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, for like ten seconds, for like, more like for like five minutes, we're like, "This is holding up," and then yeah, I started yeah. like 
What what was you you isolated with the the kind of uh, regular template for a conversation was in that universe? <laughs> yeah, that's right. In the in the Point Break universe, and I think the, the I think the movie Zach held up until there were two men on screen talking to each other. <laughs> well, when you have Busey as one of them, it's always a it's it's always a hit and miss. Yeah, one know? of them was Gary Busey, the other one was uh, Keanu Reeves. So take take that for what it's worth. But uh, but yeah, the template. For any sort of male interaction in the movie Point Break was, um, first you have to scream obscenities at each other, (laughs) naturally, naturally, and then you have to make very cutting and sarcastic jokes about one another, usually pertaining to uh, the other person's sexuality in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's considered professional in that world. That's considered professional in that context, and only after those two things have happened, the screaming and the cutting (laughs) sexual jokes... Can you then get on to conversating in a normal voice about whatever it is you're going to talk about? Now, obviously, the shouting at each other, that, that's not just coming come out of nowhere. I mean, that, that had something leading up to it, and, and it wasn't like people met each other and immediately started shouting at each other, was it? No, it was that. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah it, was. It, was. it was absolutely yeah, that. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah, uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> So, but but we were talking about how they remade that movie. It was also on the new release rack as a new movie okay. uh, at the one remaining video store in our area. Yeah. Uh, and and I think the reason why they remade such a turd mm-hmm. was because it's one of the few late eighties, early nineties action movies that wasn't just what if we made Die Hard on a bike. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It actually had its own story, it had its own thing going on. Yeah. Um, one thing, Ted, that I thought was odd. Yeah. Was that in this world where these these guys are such adrenaline junkies, yeah. where they not only do they surf waves they know will kill them and jump out of planes without parachutes yeah. and do all this and, and rob banks just for the rush of it, yeah. but then when when Keanu Reeves tackled one of them sort of into like about four inches of surf, yeah. all of the guys were like, "Hey man, that's a little out of line, don't you think? Yeah, don't you think rough, you should apologize?" You know? Yeah, I mean we just we just like. Bungie jumped out of a helicopter and then and then uh, cut the the cord and then dropped like a hundred feet into the surf. But but yeah, how dare you tackle me into four inches of water? Who do you think you are? <laughs> right. Oh wait, this is Johnny Utah. Who do you he think you are, football. Johnny Utah, former uh, Ohio State quarterback? And then they loved him. And but and uh, loved him. you know, thinking about that and thinking about Gary Busey being the bad guy on Under Siege, yeah, got me thinking about. All the diehard knockoffs that they continue to churn off. I mean, that yeah. movie completely rebooted an entire genre that was badly in need of it. Dude, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So I want to give you the gut check, uh, and maybe and maybe I want to throw it at you this way. Okay. I I throw you this scenario. What if Die Hard was on a, and this is what's happening in like the writer's room or wherever, you know, some producers are, are doing coke off of a 8 by 10 you know, glossy of Gary Busey mm. uh, and one of them says whoa what if what if Die Hard were on I'm going to give you the setting okay. and I want you to throw me the movie or two or three that comes to mind okay and then tell me what you think of them real quick gut check with Ted Cluck style now I feel like you're going to be so much better than me at this because you've seen more of these movies and- oh you have you've seen most crappy like I've 90s seen a lot I've seen a lot of them but you've got I feel like you have better recall Maybe I need to take a, a, a salty, rancid meat swig of uh, of brain tonic. <laughs> Let's both have one. Yeah, and then I could, I could be more ready for this. <clears throat> Gosh, that's awful. It, it reminds me, I mean, it doesn't feel like you should be able to taste that. It feels like it should only be a smell. Yeah. Like, how did someone make that liquid? Oh, I know. And then how did they, how did they drink it? Like, in the boardroom? 
with their investors. <laughs> they didn't. It was a joke. It was like, what if we put this out there and and just by suggesting it's healthy and hip, people would buy it. And then they all had a good guffaw. Dude, seriously, can you imagine being like on the corporate team at Brain Tonic though, and getting getting the product back the first time, and taking a sip? And having to fake like liking it, you know what I mean? Right, being like, "Well, this is my life now, hawking this garbage." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Well, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not bad, it's, not bad. You know, that's got potential. Yeah, not bad." And <laughs> you then you go what? home and tell your wife, like, "Judas, what did we do? I can't believe we moved all the way to Boulder <laughs> for this." You know, we were happy in Kalamazoo. We were happy in Kalamazoo. Now we're you know paying through those to to eat like quinoa salads and like goat tacos and. and <laughs> Smoke weed legally in Boulder, you know. <laughs> Maybe there was a lot, of, you know. This kind of has a little weed finish to it. Yeah. I, and not that I smoke weed, but that there's 75 marijuana dispensaries within smelling distance of my church. So yeah. I've got a constant contact buzz going. Dude, exactly. And, and there, they, well, yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to elaborate on that vis-a-vis Lansing uh, marijuana dispensaries. But dude, but you they, know there was. Okay, let's all right. Let's. I'm sorry we got off on a tangent there. Let's let's bring this back no, around. And, well, uh, and, it, and this this actually just reminded me that we have another action movie that we need to talk about. Oh, we do. We do. Should we do that now, or should we do it? Uh, let's do after, it at the end to clear the palate after clear we talk the about all these for, other yeah, turns. The yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, what if Die Hard was on a plane? <laughs> what if Die Hard was uh, Air Force One? Air Force One. What do you think of Air Force One? I I enjoyed Air Force One. Um, Air Force One came along in an era where you were allowed to still feel good about the president. You have to. Okay. You, you didn't have to be completely snarky and disdainful of the president, and sort of like sniffy and eye rolly about the president. Like, so this was Harrison Ford just before that tipping point where he got ancient. You know what I mean? Okay. Where he could still like, <laughs> and you could still sort of buy him like moving around. And, and being yeah. being uh, like fighting guys, being yeah. mobile, and yeah, right. <laughs> you can buy him being. Mobile. You can buy him being mobile, not just nodding <laughs> off in a chair. You know. <laughs> no, I dug Air Force One, man. Totally dug it. Fun. What's your favorite line from Air Force One? See, I don't remember. I don't remember any lines. You don't even remember the the iconic "Get off my plane." Oh yeah, get off my plane. Sure. And dude, how great a bad guy was Gary Oldman in that? Yeah, great man. Absolutely. Now, what about uh, Passenger Fifty Seven? That's another Die Hard on a plane. That that was Wesley Snipes, right? Uh huh. Okay, yeah. Always bet on black. Only bet on black. That's it, man. That's the line, and that's the movie. Now I saw that movie probably twenty years ago, and just one time, so I have no like real firm, you know, recollections of it. Only that it happened. That one sucks, and and people only quote that one line because that's the only good thing about it. True. And we should watch that and and mock it. We sometime. should absolutely watch that fun. and mock it. That fits the paradigm perfectly. I'd say that Con Air is also. Uh, an example of Die Hard on a plane with Nick yeah. Cage trying to be the the McLean, but not worth discussing. Very sweaty, like filthy looking Nick Cage <laughs> with long hair, and not in a good way. Yeah, with gross, stringy, stringy long hair, just nasty long hair and sweaty. He says to uh, Bubba from Bubba Gump uh-huh. Shrimp at one point, "That guy's got a name, but I always just yeah, call him sure. Bubba." Um, yeah. I'm gonna go like in his horrible like Bayou accent. Oh, yeah, he's he, trying he, to pull. He affected off. a Bayou accent. <laughs> because I'm going to go prove to you there is a god. <laughs> I was like, dude, this whole movie is making me question. Dude, tell me another horrible action movie we watched in which a horrible Bayou accent is affected. 
Are you talking about Shantz? Yes, I am. Shantz. <laughs> but at least that one wasn't a uh, diehard ripoff. It you know, wasn't. They like no, kind it was, of motorcycled it was its, around. and It was its own unique plot. And and I'm blanking on the name of it. Can you help me with that? Uh, that one was called, oh, good grief. This is hard, the one that when we talked about it, Cliff target. Graham jumped right in. Hard target, yes. Hard, hard target. Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme's. I actually kind of thought it was fun. I really did. Oh, dude, I thought it was fun too. Yeah, I thought it was. And again, it was a perfect movie for us because we could we could relentlessly mock it, but yet also enjoy it for like two hours. Ted, that was the first turd we watched together. That's groundbreaking. Wow, it was just you and me. We were smoking pipes. Yeah, I was like, why don't you come over with your pipe, dude? That's right. And we were like editing a book or or yeah, yeah. And we watched that turd on Netflix. Yeah, and we watched it on Netflix. We wanted to watch Rocky Four, but they didn't have it, of course. So that's its own other story. Absolutely. All right. What if what if Die Hard were on a bus? Uh, Speed, obviously. And your thoughts? Uh, (laughs) I unironically like Speed. Me too. I'm glad you said that. I actually love Speed. I think it's a even though it was a Die Hard ripoff on a bus, like I don't know. I felt like it was a really fresh premise and just really simple. in the sense of you know having to keep the bus above a certain miles per hour, like that created just sort of constant drama and tension on the on the movie. And Dennis Hopper's in it. He's uh, great. He's amazing. He was a he was such a good bad guy. Uh, Keanu Reeves was good. Uh, he was good in that. I this was right in his wheelhouse. Keanu Reeves needs to be like hanging off something and just shouting indiscernibly in for it to be a good role for him. <laughs> Have you ever fired your gun in the air while shouting, Aww! Exactly. He needs to be, yeah, he needs to be doing that kind of thing. Uh, which the- he returned to with John Wick, which was a pretty fun movie. I didn't see John Wick. I need to see Oh, you should get it on DVD or, or, or do it when it comes on Netflix. It, it's, it's fun. I actually, and this is going to sound weird, I like the chemistry between Keanu Reeves and, and Sandy Bullock on the on the in the movie Speed as well. Dude, I celebrate her entire catalog. Yeah, she's good, isn't she? She's good. I'm not going to ask you if you like The Blind Side, because I don't want either of us to have to admit that we love The Blind Side, but there's that. Dude, I, I actually don't it. love The Blind Side. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and see, here's here's one area in which I, I don't get snobby about too many things, but I'm very snobby about football movies, and uh, I, I actually didn't care for The Blind Side. So, not All that right. we need to... Yeah, not that we need to have a huge... Uh, huge disagreement about that no but, I, uh, I i wish i didn't like it so if you could like yeah ruin it for me at some point like tell me the things like not now but but sometime yeah. uh kind of poison the well for me i'd be happy about that yeah dude at some point i'll poison the well for you for sure now now just by way of context have you seen friday night lights not are you talking about the movie or the television i'm show? talking about the movie no no i haven't now, see, to me, that's the greatest football movie ever made and one of my top five movies of all time. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And if you liked The Blind Side, um, you, you will watch Friday Night Lights and feel as though it blows The Blind Side like completely out of the water. So you should do that. I think I will. Yeah, do it. And, and you'll just like it. I mean, it's, it's right up our alley in terms of like heartstring pulling sports movies, but it doesn't insult your intelligence in, in any way. That's all I'll say about Friday Night Lights. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get back on, on, on point here, on task. Okay. Yeah. What if Die Hard were on a cruise ship? Oh, man, a cruise ship. Now, this uh, this reminds me, Zach, of our favorite uh, thick and, and meaty-fingered uh, action hero. Um, no, no, it's not Van Damme. It's the other one, Steven Seagal. So Die Hard on a cruise ship... Wait a minute. Am I thinking the same Seagal movie? Was it a cruise ship? 
No, it's not a Seagal movie. You almost lost a point there, even though there's there's no points, and you're always the big no winner points. in the casino. And I'm always the big winner. Now, you're thinking of Under Siege, which took I'm... place on a submarine. Yes, that's right. I'm thinking of Under Siege. Wait, what did you think of Under Siege? Um, Under Siege, to me, falls into that genre of hard target, which is crappy movie, fun to watch, fun to make fun of. Dude, with Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey as bad guys. Dude, that's right. I yeah, mean, Dude, that was back when like legitimate actors did crappy action movies. Like, yeah, it, it like was... Gary Busey. Usually, he does like Remains of the Day. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, like um... art films. You know, <laughs> really thoughtful art films. <laughs> no, but I thought that was a, a pretty solid. I haven't seen it in years, but I thought it was a pretty solid uh, action movie. Uh, Seagal didn't have to try and say many words. Yeah, and he's really at his best when he's not saying any words. Seagal would have been a, a, a great asset to like the the Charlie Chaplin like silent film era. <laughs> Buster uh, Keaton, Charlie Buster Chaplin, Keaton. Steven Seagal, the greats. Dude, right? We we would be uttering his name in in that pantheon of of silent film greats. Really, <laughs> sausage um, fingers, Seagal. sausage fingers, playing a novelist. Now <laughs> typing all weird, typing all weird. Now I, dude, I'm drawing a total blank on the cruise ship one. To be honest, you didn't see it, and you know what? Neither did I. Oh. Speed two, subtitle. It doesn't have Keanu. Oh. That was one of those sad attempts at like keeping a franchise alive without the main. Guy. Right. But speaking of legitimate actors playing the bad guys, uh, Willem Dafoe is the bad guy on that one. In Speed yeah. 2. I think. I don't know. I haven't seen it. So, <laughs> That's how I remember so you it. you didn't see it, and also I didn't see it. So like we, we both didn't it's see it. It's immaterial. Okay, what if Die Hard happened on a train? Mm. Die Hard on a train. Boy. Now, see, I told you this, this wouldn't be a great segment for me because... Because I have bad recall on, on a lot of this stuff. All right, let me uh, throw, you the, throw you a couple names, and you tell me if you've seen either of these. Yeah. Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. <laughs> no, I, I've not seen Dark Territory. It's on a train, and my and favorite moment is uh, Stephen Seagal's daughter is on the train as well, okay? Okay. She has her inevitable, like, I'm a tough guy moment where yeah. she goes to mace somebody. Okay. The guy grabs it out of her hands and says, this isn't mace, it's pepper spray. Opens his mouth and sprays it like a couple little quick squirts like it's Binaka. Oh, nice. Yeah, actually, that movie was the money, but but don't watch it. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I totally get it. What about the taking of Pelham 123? Did you see that one? You know what? I didn't, and I'm intrigued by it. Um, it's got Denzel. It's got Denzel, uh, who's usually pretty, pretty reliable, but... Um, yeah, what what did you think of it? I loved it, and and the bad guy is like it was the first time you saw Travolta. You know how Travolta was always reinventing himself. This is the yeah. first time we saw bald headed, like twenty eight inch neck, like roided out Travolta. Dude, I love roided out Travolta. Uh, to Paris with love. Oh, dude, yes, that's a great movie. Uh, great. Yeah, roided out Travolta is the man, and that movie is actually a pretty pretty solid. I got a couple oh, more a- for you. Yeah, throw him, man. What throw if him. Die Hard were an Alcatraz? That's a gimme. Uh, oh, dude, The Rock. The Rock. Yes, a classic. <laughs> a th- dude, can, I, can I tell you my feelings about The Rock? Yeah, please. That's the, that's the whole segment. My feelings are I love it, and I remember loving it. I haven't seen it in a long, long time, and I'm afraid to watch it because I'm afraid it won't hold up. Yep, you know what yeah, I mean? I, we did Actually, I think you may be suppressing a memory because I think we've seen it together in the last three or four years. Did we really? It we didn't it hold together. up at all. Oh no! I remember us really that making fun sense. of. Uh, oh, who was the the bad guy? Oh. I want to say Edward Burns, but it's not Edward Burns. It's Edward. Yeah, 
I, I I remember bits and pieces, and I remember one of the funnier parts of it being like <laughs> just the idea of Nicolas Cage being like in a relationship with this woman that he was in a relationship with, which was <laughs> sort of a tangential part of the movie. But there were these scenes where like Nick Cage was at home at his apartment, like trying to be tender and like <laughs> lighting candles on the balcony and like having a candlelit dinner, like watching a gorilla know. make a casserole or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like you're like they jumped a, a skyscraper with a Hummer, but I really couldn't buy the part where Nick Cage got home and that woman yeah. was like, "Oh yeah, you and I are engaged." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I right. You can't. You just can't buy the the idea that she cares for him in any way. You know. <laughs> All right. Last one, and this is a twofer. What yeah. if Die Hard were at the White House? Oh, dude, yes. The two the two White House movies um, that are exactly the same and that came out a couple years ago. Which right? is a White weird House phenomenon Down. that always happens. Yeah, it really does. White House Down, and what was the other one? Uh, Olympus Has Fallen, which is the one oh, I saw. Olympus Has Fallen, that's the one I saw as well. And that's the one uh, with Aaron Eckhart, which uh, initially encouraged me because I like Aaron Eckhart and I like his acting. Except that he spent the entire movie like lashed to a to a post <laughs> and with a with a with like a handkerchief in his mouth. So he's if you like Aaron Eckhart, sort of like twitching around and grunting for two hours. <laughs> you it's will a love. You can get clips. There's a Cerismo channel. You can watch 15 seconds of that, or you can watch two hours of it uh, by renting <laughs> Olympus Has Fallen, which was a. a I have to say it, a turd of a movie that I really enjoyed. Me like, it too. Was a, it was a fun movie. I watched that while recovering from a particular uh, uh, procedure that I had that yeah. was not any fun. Part, and, parts uh, of you had fallen, you know, at that <laughs> point. Right? And I watched it uh, twice in a row. Okay. Because I, I really liked it. And then it did the same thing with the new Red Dawn. Yes. Which which okay. it w- involved uh, not Soviets, but, but Asian, uh, an Asian country attacking us. I guess... I guess Soviets are Asians too, but yeah, it made me think. Wait a minute, Asian doll? I read about it in Time Magazine. <laughs> Dude, all right, that's all I've Gruber, got, man. Gruber is forever talking about his magazine purchases. It's like he's bragging about how many magazines he gets. It, it, you know? Suits and magazines. Suits and magazines. And his he classical talks about education. Time. He talks about Newsweek. This guy, he's always talking about this. <laughs> he's one of them. You know what? I just remembered, dude. What? It's August, and August is Gut Check Literacy Month again. Dude, that's right. It certainly is Gut Check Literacy Month. Now, are we going right into the chapter here, Zach, or did you want to talk about oh. uh, an action movie? Oh, you're one of them. I wanted, uh, yeah, let's. We, we had a disagreement, a, a pretty solid disagreement about the latest dude, Bourne movie. And I have to say, this is a this is one of those funny, sort of awkward parts of our friendship in that in the Venn diagram of our movie preferences, like there's there's a lot of overlap, but there's there's definitely like some parts on the outside for both of us where we just don't agree. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you almost don't know how to take the disagreement, right? Like like I I'm compelled at times to to want to fake liking like movies that you like just to just to sort of avoid the the awkwardness of the disagreement, you know what I mean? <laughs> but we did this via text. And uh I saw the Bourne movie yesterday. I saw it with my boys. I saw it yesterday afternoon. I took Tristan for his birthday and I think it was just contextually like the excitement of going to the movie and he he loves the Bourne movies. He's 14. He loves the action. Um, you know, so I think for us it was just sort of the context of the fun of being at the theater together. Um, so I saw it and I was texting you somewhat snarky things about it. Like the alternate title should have been Look How Old Everyone's Gotten. 
No, no, the, Jason Bourne, colon, everyone looks ancient. Jason Bourne, everyone looks ancient. I kept exactly. whispering that to Aaron while we were watching it. Yeah, exa- which is true. You know, everybody does look ancient in that movie. Was that Julia Stiles or was it Julia Stiles' like, great-great-aunt? It was actually <laughs> Julia Child. So, <laughs> yeah, they could make Julia Stiles again, so they, they actually got Julia Child. But, um, the late Julia Child's. That's really mean, man. Cut that out. Because I like Julie Stiles. I like really? I, I've always been a whatever the opposite of a fan is of her work. And, and uh, I got to admit, I'm yeah. like, oh, watch. She's going to get she's gonna get shot off that motorcycle. All right. Now, I'm not going to tell you whether or not she did until I say spoiler alert. Skip ahead yeah. about 10 seconds if you haven't seen this movie and you're going to. When she yeah. did get shot off the motorcycle, I was like, yes. And I got some Dude. dirty looks. That was the least surprising thing ever. Yeah, if you're a girl and you get in with Jason Bourne, you're going to die. I mean, just know this. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. What I didn't like about it, Ted, was that there was no story at all. Like, I mean, even the third one that didn't have much of a story and I still loved yeah. Um, because like they, they faked me into feeling like there was a story by like bringing you into that train station where there's like a yeah. hundred thousand cameras and he's, yeah, yeah. I mean, like there was things happening in this movie. It felt like this felt like sometimes, and I just thought of this, so it might, it might not hold, but sometimes sure. we'll rent a movie and I'll, yeah. I'll watch it like until late at night and I've liked it so much. I'll go in and watch the special features, including like sure. extended scenes and deleted scenes. Yeah, and I'll be like, oh, I'm too tired for this. There's a reason these were not included in the movie, and I'll give up. And it felt like I was watching like Born One, Two, and Three extended and deleted scene footage. Dude, yeah, I, th- I think that would be my critique if there was one for me. Was that it? Just the the plot of these movies, with the exception of the Jeremy Renner one, which I liked. Oh, I liked it made, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. At least at least we're on the same page. I thought the Renner one was really creative, and the Renner one was really the only one that broke from the formula of, you know, are they going to bring him in or are they going to put him down? Like, that's been the plot of every Bourne movie, mm-hmm. um, without exception. And, and yeah, I mean, it, and it was for sure the plot of this one. Um, I guess I just enjoyed, I don't know, it, it's one of those things where I think we're so deep into the franchise with Bourne that, for me, it just has nice connotations. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think my body and my mind, like, remembers enjoying the other Bourne movies, so I just... I'm conditioned to enjoy it. You it's know like what I'm when saying? you smell a whiff of brain tonic and you're just like, oh, yeah, I remember a simpler time. Yeah, exactly. I remember a, a tchotchke store in, in Charlevoix <laughs> or salty rancid meat. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. So I felt like uh, that Jason Bourne, like he said like 40 words in the whole movie. Dude, yeah, he did zero acting. He did nothing. I felt like, like much of it was phoned in. Like when he was walking through the riot and they're having a dialogue, him and Julia Stiles. Oh, that was awful. I was that like, was... dude, no one's even trying anymore. Dude, right. No one is even trying. Dude, it felt like, it felt to me like they took one take of that scene and they were just like, yeah, good enough. You yeah. Know? Who cares about the talking part anyway? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like nobody studied the script. Nobody spent any time with this. Like we're just, we're doing one take and, and getting out of there. You know, well, when we got in the car on the way home, my wife says, we're talking about, we, we both of us were a little disappointed by it, but it was still fun. And yeah, she yeah. said, what, what I didn't get was the reason that they restarted the whole like hunt for him was just yeah. like, there was no reason. Like she was, this other girl was nosy and that was all. And then Dude, they were like, exactly all right, we have to kill KK him. KK said, like there was no, yeah, there was no reason for anything that happened in the movie to have happened in the movie. Right. One thing that I really liked about the first three movies is that, is that like events that happened followed like sort of logically from things that happened before them and it wasn't yeah. just a string of non sequiturs 
Right. And there was more fight. Like, there was more like that kind of like crazy fast slapping away your punches or, or knife thrusts. And you yeah. could see what was happening in the earlier movies. Like, the one where he has the magazine. Dude, I love the magazine one. I felt like, I mean, all I, I couldn't see what was happening in this one. It was like I just needed to dose some Dramamine and kind of drift off because the shaky cam was out of control. It was. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I mean, it's probably time to, like, be done with the with the series, you know. Hand it off um, to Renner. He did well. Dude, hand it to Renner, although the ending of this born, and I won't give away anything about it, but the ending very much, like, if they had just put up on the screen, stay tuned for a sequel, like, <laughs> it, it would have been less obvious. Like than Back to the Future, he would have flown away, and it would have said, to be continued. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and honestly, like... I love the Moby song at the end of the first three. Yeah. But at least get something different. Do something different, you know? Dude, now see, to me, that that keeps with the aging theme because Moby is like 65 now, you know? <laughs> He's no longer like the gaunt vegan hipster that he was 30 years ago. <laughs> he He's actually older. played uh, Bourne's dad in this one, if you, if you notice. <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. He was, he was Bourne's dad. You know, he's put on a little weight. <laughs> But, uh, okay. he's, he's eating meat now, so you know, <laughs> he's do? making up for lost time with the, making up the for meat lost department. time. He discovered steak and hamburgers, <laughs> and it's, it's all over for him. So. All right, man. I think we've beat that to death. Let's uh, give back a little bit here. Gut check Let's literacy do- month for the community. Absolutely. Uh, it's August. This is our way to get back to the community. So uh, enjoy this chapter twenty-five from our novel, Re-Raptured. This is called, If Marcel Proust Were a Quarterback, He'd Be Ted Strongbow. When Strongbow comes to, peering through the bars of his face mask, he can see various officially licensed golf-shirted members of the Values training staff hovering over him. (laughs) My neck hurts, he hears himself say after spitting out the rubber mouthpiece. Hurts how, asks a trainer. Is it more of a dull ache or a sharp pain? (laughs) Actually... It feels like something got ripped out of the back of it, Strongbow replies. Huh. (laughs) This is your chapter, dude. This is hysterical. The training staff whisper to one another about the wisdom, or lack thereof, in flipping Strongbow over to examine the back of his neck. An accurate jingle plays over the Dynex Lifeway Amway Excellence in Christian Publishing Stadium PA system. Strongbow knows it's a TV timeout. He also knows that sometimes when a player is injured, his teammates will congregate on the sidelines to pray for him. Strombo looks to the value sideline and finds backup Barry Quid laughing with an offensive lineman. I said offensive like he's offensive. Uh, with yeah. an offensive lineman and Duke Morrison scratching his crotch. Section break. Far from scratching his crotch, <laughs> Duke Morrison uses the television timeout to fish in his pants pocket for the envelope with the official Van Shrimpy seal that was sitting on his mahogany desk <laughs> next to the bottle of Dewar's. While the training staff attends to Strongbow, and while Darby and Wiles sit on the end of the bench under team surveillance, he takes a moment to gently run his meaty finger along the seam of the envelope, ripping through the Van, the Van Shrimpy wax seal and revealing its contents. Duke, while you have been nothing but a massive disappointment to the Tribulation Fellowship, you have been a, <laughs> you have been a better than average ASFL coach. Morrison pauses here, smiles, and takes a swig of Gatorade. <laughs> As you may or may not know, he didn't. I've been a Denver Values ticket holder for the past two decades. Nobody loves the Denver Values more than me. It has pained me for the last two years to see Ted Strongbow, Messiah, languishing. <laughs> the- Ted Strongbow, comma, Messiah. Messiah, languishing <laughs> on the bench. 
I had to intervene, dot, dot, dot. So this is all about my quarterback, Morrison <laughs> says to nobody in particular. A huge roar goes up from the crowd as Strongbow stands up and walks gingerly toward the sideline. A trainer holds what appears to be a small, bloodied microchip in his hand. <laughs> Can he go? Morrison shouts to the trainer, who tosses the chip on the Gatorade table. Next series, the trainer replies. Strongbow gives a wan smile as Morrison <laughs> shouts something coachy about everyone needing to get their collective stuff together. Only he doesn't say stuff, but his heart's not in it. <laughs> he places the Van Shrimpy note on a clipboard next to some plays so that it looks like he's doing his job in case anybody wonders. <laughs> Around him, the rain comes down harder and day turns to night in the stadium, partly a function of the heavy cloud cover and partly because it's just getting darker. Morrison always preferred night games, even in high school. Now he's back to reading the letter. Come hell or high water, Duke, Ted Strongbow will start a game for the Denver Values tonight. You owe it to your loyal fans and season ticket holders. You owe it to every hardworking evangelical in the Denver metro area. <laughs> he will start, and he will play well. And tonight, Duke, everyone in Dynex Lifeway Stadium, and everyone watching at home and around the world, will know your secret. Signed, Marcel Proust, parenthetical, Tim Van Shrimpy. Not the drawer, Morrison says, again, to nobody in particular. He's breathing heavily. Suddenly, his mouth is dry. The draw, Duke? You want to run the draw play? Asks his offensive coordinator through the headset. Morrison is wired into the coach's box via an elaborate system of headphones and microphones that allows the coaches to communicate with the quarterback's helmet. He looks out into the field to see Barry Quid run a draw play, which is stuffed for a two-yard loss. The values punt. There's a special drawer in Morrison's office, adjacent to the doer's drawer, <laughs> that is full of manuscripts and white papers and books written by Duke Morrison about the French scholar-slash-author Marcel Proust. Under the nom de plume of Dr. Phyllis LaHaye Jenkins, <laughs> Morrison, Morrison has been publishing white papers on Proust and has become the world's foremost Proust scholar. If the football community gets wind of this, he's finished. Duke Morrison is a closeted intellectual. Oh. There's now a dead body in Van Trimpey's control room, and he wants it gone. Desperately. <laughs> From his perch in the rafters, he deftly presses a red button that causes the floor containing Ironsides, Faustus, <laughs> dead, Sylvia, and Rabbi Pastor to drop out from beneath them. They are plunged into a sub-sub-basement storage room <laughs> containing some discarded Denver Values uniforms and a furnace that makes it, the room, look and feel like hell. <laughs> this, thinks Van Shrimpy, is a nice touch. A little cylinder of floor underneath his office chair remains, just like in the movies. Oh, the cylinder that's, of floor, baby. That's my favorite line. <laughs> Van Shrimpy grabs the Xbox controller, straps into the headset, and, momentary problem solved, is ready to play some football. Strongbow breaks the huddle and approaches the line of scrimmage. Van Shrimpy begins pressing buttons furiously, but Strongbow rolls out... <laughs> Strongbow rolls out and throws a ball into the dirt. He looks curiously like the old Strongbow. The value is called timeout, and Van Trimpey pulls a plastic cartridge hastily labeled Strongbow Live out of its dock in the giant tower of computer processors. He holds the cartridge in his right hand and blows into it, instantly invoking memories of doing the same thing to his Atari and Nintendo cartridges in the 1980s. That Van Trimpey had an Atari and a Nintendo and is, in fact, an avid gamer is a fact known only to Van Shrimpy, his wife, and a few trusted members of the Van Shrimpy Ministries empire. Despite his frantic blowing and button mashing, Strongbow has misfired on his last six attempts, and the third quarter is almost over. 
Ben Shrimpy needs to enact Plan B and begin the big push. He whirls around to face a laptop into which he inserts a flash drive and giggles before immediately feeling sheepish about the giggle. He glances down to the sub-sub basement and is relieved to realize that nobody heard him. Section break. The Jumbotron monitor at the south end of Dynex Lifeway Stadium flickers for a moment and then goes black. Must be the lightning, Morrison thinks. His bowels (laughs) tighten. He knows that Shrimpy is somewhere in the building, and he knows that the Proust files in his special Proust drawer have been compromised. His secret life as an academic could soon be over. He also knows that he has to pretend to be engaged in coaching his team. The fact is, all of those golf tournament and doers event photos are fakes, fabrications. Morrison spends his every non-football moment writing and presenting academic papers. He goes to conferences incognito. (laughs) He cites sources. All he ever wanted to be was close to James Wiles, the academic. Suddenly, the Jumbotron is aflame with a Microsoft Word document. And then, slowly, Morrison sees 75,000 pieces of white paper (laughs) fluttering all around him. Each Denver Values fan and a million more watching on CBS and its local affiliates is reading Les Enfants Values Denver, a Proustian view of the sexual lives of professional athletes. His secret is out. The Blackberry in his pants pocket, the other one, vibrates. It's a text from Carl Weathers, the actor and former professional football player, saying simply, WTF, question mark. Wiles, on the, other, on the other bench, smiles broadly. The smile a proud father might bestow upon his favorite son. Oh. And that is the end of the chapter. And that is the end of our program, Zach. Oh, the program's uh, over. Oh, the program's over. This has been the Gut Check Podcast. This has been Gut Check Literacy Month. Special thanks to Bill Clay uh, for taking time out of his busy schedule at the Nakatomi Corporation uh, and coming in to give some thoughts on Westwood Roastery. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, go to www.westwoodroastery.com, enroll, become a subscriber, and get fresh coffee delivered to your doorstep. Zach, tell us about Olive Tree Bible. Go to olivetree.com, and you can put in your uh, promotional code GUTCHECK and get 20% off on your uh, full order. And that's uh, basically the that's what I call hacking Olive mm, Tree. That is what we call hacking Olive Tree, because really going to a website and then interacting business there in, in certain contexts can be... It can be construed as hacking. It all depends on what's littered on the floor, really. You know what? Don't go to missionalware.com until I get my sweatshirt. <laughs> you know what? Missionalware, learn the lesson of uh, Guru Energy. As soon as you sign with us, all your dreams will come true. Yeah, you'll, you'll go on a rocket ship of fame and money and excess and decadence, the likes of which you've never seen before. But until you sign with the Gut Check Podcast... None of that will happen. You will toil in obscurity until you partner with us. Um, So think about that, Mission Aware. (laughs) Think about that, and we will see you next time. I sent an email to the Beatstock. Good tuner device.